Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Good morning, and I am joined from the University of Minnesota by Mary Meyer. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Denny. Great to hear your voice. And uh, I, I'm looking for spring this morning and not you, finding much. <laughs> you and about three million other people around here. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I, I was just going to check out the. Uh, I know we had a bit of a change. It's 26 now, 26 degrees, and maybe we'll see 41. Now maybe 61 by the end of the week. But it's uh, it's been a struggle to uh, even come anywhere near the average high for this uh, time of year, what some people call normal. I don't know what uh, what is normal anymore. But I, I was I wanted to ask you, and I know we're going to be getting, in fact, already are, questions about our lawn care. Folks are anxious to get out not only in the gardens, but to uh, start taking care of our lawns. I, uh, I look at mine and I say, you know, it's not ready. I don't think I'm going to walk on this, let alone uh, do some raking. What would you suggest as far as folks uh, wanting to get out there? It's still a little early to do lawn care, unfortunately. I was checking some of the soil temperatures uh, across Minnesota, and you can, you can find this online, soil temperatures. And, of course, if you've got a soil thermometer, I had my soil thermometer out um, uh, within the last week, and the temperature just keeps going down on the <laughs> soil thermometer, so it's not going the right direction. So soil temperature is still holding around 40 degrees. So cold for any yard work as far as your lawn goes. And whenever it's spongy and it's kind of, uh, yeah, spongy and semi-frozen is what we've got uh, this morning, I'm afraid. So too early to do lawn work yet. Is this, uh, I want to invite our listeners to join in. If you're new to the show, thanks for checking us out. And for those that are regular listeners to our Smart Garden Show, you know we tend to get very busy. And uh, with Mary's help, uh, she's glad to help you out as as, as many uh, texts and calls as we can get. And that number for whichever is easier for you, 651-461-9226. If you want to send a text to Mary about your lawn and garden question, fine, or call if you want to chat, 651-461-9226. Is this, and then we're going to grab a phone call here in a moment, but I wanted to ask you, given not only the lawn questions, but is this, these temperature fluctuations, you know, lows in the 20s, or even our current temp is, as I said, 26 degrees, is this negatively affecting our shrubs and and you know any any outdoor uh, plants that we have right now well it could 
but I think the fact that we haven't had any really warm days uh, has really been good. It's been more consistently cool yeah, or that's cold true. than it has been warm. So if we had had a couple of 80 degree days or even maybe 75, I think that would have pushed a lot of buds, uh, maybe perhaps uh, started strawberries to grow and things like that. But because we've been more consistently cool, we haven't seen uh, an early, early spring green up. So we're still, um, still pretty much things are in a holding pattern. Not many trees have come out. Some of the silver maples, uh, some of the willows, the early flowering trees, those are out. Honeybees are actually, you can see some honeybees when, um, it, when the temperature gets up more in the 50s. You can see the bees out and some of the early trees have come out and that they are not hurt by these temperatures. And fortunately, our other things, their tender plants or tender buds are not out far enough yet. Yeah, good point. That uh, I guess that's <laughs> That's the silver lining. We haven't had any 80-degree temps. Uh, 651-461-9226. That's our phone and text number. Let's grab a phone call. I believe Al is calling in this morning on the show from uh, St. Paul this morning. Uh, Al, what is your question for Mary? I really like your program. Thank but, you. Um, years ago, I worked at the University of Minnesota Fruit Breeding Farm, and I uh, that's where I learned bridge grafting. Do you mind if I just say a few things? Oh, I think we lost uh, lost Al. Hmm. I'm not sure what Al wanted to say. I think he wanted to talk about bridge grafting, which, which is, what is that? Well, this is one of those many many methods of grafting, and with fruit trees, uh, boy, all of our not just but so many many huge percentage of our fruit trees are grafted because we take a bud or we take a uh, a twig, a small branch, and put it on a hardy rootstock. And then the bud or the twig that we put on, uh, that's the genetic material that we want the fruit to grow. So the Honeycrisp apples, uh, Zestar apples, all of our apples are uh, usually buds. They're usually a bud that's put on a rootstock. But uh, bridge grafting is, is another method. Now, Grafting is fun, and it is done in the springtime. It's a little, it, it's done, yeah, early spring. A little, okay. we're a little early now, but I think that's what he wanted to talk about. Oh, okay, very good. Had some technical issues there. Uh, let's see, we have tons of texts already. Uh, here's one that said, I found tons of rabbit droppings in my garden. Is it best to try to remove them or work them into the soil? Yuck, they said. Yes, um, it, I guess un, unless they're huge amounts, I don't normally uh, worry about that. And I do, they just naturally do decompose. Of course, if they're near a vegetable garden, uh, that's something else where you have large amounts of that. You might want, I would recommend removing that. Uh, but we do see a lot of animal droppings, deer droppings this time of year um, as we we have more spring rains and so on. Most of these will decompose naturally. Okay. Let us take a phone call from uh, Cheryl, who is calling in this morning from Golden Valley. Cheryl, good morning. What is your question for Mary? Hi there. My lawn was just destroyed in the drought. I didn't water. And by fall, pretty much all I had was exposed soil and lots of spurge. 
there. My lawn was just destroyed in the drought. I didn't water. And by fall, pretty much all I had was exposed soil and lots of spurge. I wanted to aerate it and overseed it last fall, but my I couldn't find someone to do that. And now this spring, I was told I could have that done. I finally found someone that would do it. But is that even advisable? And I'm just worried I'm just going to have a mud slew when my, my yard's gone. What would you suggest? Well, if you don't have any plants there now, Cheryl, uh, I would recommend that you seed this spring because if you have any type of slope and you don't have uh, plants on it, you will see erosion. Uh, so I, I would, we normally recommend fall seeding for lawns, but if you don't have anything there, I would go ahead with a spring seeding. I'm not sure how much, uh, how critical it is to do aeration um, if you don't have anything growing there. But uh, as long as you have exposed soil and you get good contact with the seed and then you put on moisture, you'll have, uh, I think, successful germination this spring. But again, this is too early to do that. Uh, depending on the weather, you know, you've got at least another two weeks. But you, you'll have to let that soil dry out enough so that you're not compacting it when you do the planting this spring. So it's going to be another two or three weeks more towards mid-May when you should do that. All right, Mary, we need to take a break on our Smart Garden Show. If you have a lawn or garden question, by all means, call it in or text it in via 651-461-9226. 26 degrees in the Twin Cities on our way to 41 on this holiday weekend. On News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here on CCO Radio every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, thanks to uh, the good help that we get, like from folks, Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, helping uh, you out today, either by phone or by text, 651-461-9226. And Mary, as usual, lots of questions for you. And we also want to remind our listeners that uh, that if they if they haven't checked it out, they should really check out that University of Minnesota website, the Extension website, extension.umn.edu. Such we we say it every week, but I really mean it. As you know, there's so much good information in, on that uh, website. Yes, that's right, Denny. Uh, I was just looking at the Upper Midwest gardening calendar for what to do this time of year uh, through April. There's lots of information about uh, what you can do in your garden and timing of activities. Yeah, for sure. We'll mention that from time to time, as we always uh, do. But in the meantime, let's help out other listeners here. Here's one. It says, on an Arbor Day function last year, I was given some Kentucky coffee tree seeds from a master gardener. I'm in the process of rooting them. Could you give a little background and care regarding these unique trees? Thank you. Yes, this is a great native tree. Uh, Its uh, native range does extend to uh, southern Minnesota. We have um, many specimens of this, this Kentucky coffee tree growing at the Arboretum. And uh, it has a very large seed pod that's a lot of fun. And the seeds are really big seeds. They look like a very large bean. 
and uh, so they're a fun seed to plant uh, and to grow. So the trees are, um, as I said, hardy in Minnesota, and um, they're a great tree to add to your landscape. They like full sun, well-drained soils. But uh, yeah, you can you can germinate the seed, grow seedlings, and then uh, plant those uh, trees. Really, a, a great tree because you know we need a diversity of tree species. So if you look looking around your property, um, on your street, you want to make sure that you don't have one monoculture of trees. Having a diverse uh, number of species is really important. Um, because of disease and insect problems, which we're all too familiar mm, with now. For sure. Absolutely. Good idea. Dexter says, if you buy tulips potted at the grocery store, can you plant outside after blooming? You can do this, but the likelihood of them flowering again is pretty low. Uh, they have to grow and uh, really put a lot of food back into that bulb again to get the flower for next year. So they're pretty exhausted after flowering, and they haven't got a really good root system. Uh, unless Sometimes they're in water, sometimes they're in soil. If they're in soil, they could have a good enough root system, but the transition in planting them, etc., is often quite disruptive. You can try it. I have not been very successful with that. A couple of lawn questions, Mary. Here's one. It says, can you spread crabgrass preventer with fertilizer now? And the other, is it too early for pre-emergent application to the lawn? What do you think? Yes, these are both pretty much the same thing because our crabgrass killers are uh, prevention, pre-emergence. They make a film of chemical across the soil so that the seedlings can't come through that film. So these chemicals are, it's too early to put these on. Uh, you can find the maps. I was looking at the turf.umn.edu website. There's a link there for the timing for pre-emergence um, uh, crabgrass. Crabgrass is our biggest issue with the pre-emergence, but pretty much all seeds, good good seeds and bad seeds, are killed by the pre-emergence. This is really based on temperature and soil temperatures. They're way too cold uh, right now. Uh, it's we talk about doing this in timing when the forsythia is done blooming. So we haven't seen any forsythia yet. So it's going to be into May, another couple of weeks till we really um, see that happen. Now, you know, some people try to put this down early uh, and thinking earlier is better. Um, there's a chance it can wash off. There's a chance it can be removed and not activated when the uh, soil is still cold. So I would wait, um, you know, at least another 10 days before I think about putting that on. Good idea. Uh, I am attempt texter says I'm attempting to keep my amaryllis over the summer. I've got beautiful green leaves now and I'm wondering do I fertilize the amaryllis? Yes, I think that's a good idea to do that. Uh, amaryllis will grow throughout the summer. Um, many people in Minnesota actually 
plant these outside. They take them out. Some people take them out of the pot. Some people just move the pot to a bright sunny window uh, or a porch where they grow outside all summer. So just like the tulips, uh, this bulb has to store a lot of food down in the bulb to flower again next year. But many people are successful with this. It's good growing conditions throughout the summer to get a lot of stored food back in the bulb. This listener, Mary, says, is black dirt from the garden center a good medium for a raised bed vegetable garden, or do I need to amend the soil? Uh, black dirt is usually silt or finer, uh, silty, loamy soil that um, is sold. And um, the color of it indicates it has quite a bit of organic matter in it. Uh, but it's no magic formula. I, I think many of our soils, our mineral uh, soils in Minnesota, are very good soils for growing plants in. Um, a lot of times if you have a raised bed, you have containers, you, you've got to buy something usually uh, rather than go out and dig in the ground uh, and get that. So you can use uh, what is it's referred to as black dirt, usually silty soils. You normally have to put something with uh, mineral soil, and that's why we use peat so much, or um, peat or potting mix commercial mixes that have peat in them allow for a lot of air and uh, water holding capacity. So peat or potting soils mixed with black dirt will be better than just the black dirt by itself. I, I'm kind of nervous saying black dirt because... Dirt is what's on our clothes. Yes. Soil is what soil. we grow plants in. So I like to use the word soil. I like that qualification. All right, Mary, we need to take a break, uh, uh, have a look at that forecast, see what this next week is going to be bringing. Uh, in the meantime, we have about another half hour of the show, our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Call or text your lawn or garden question at 651 461 9226. 26 degrees, the weather straight ahead here on CCO. Stay with us. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around uh, on every Saturday here in the 8 o'clock hour on 830-WCCO. This morning, Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota answering your lawn and garden questions either by phone or by text as usual. Here's that one number to remember for uh, either one, 651-461-9226. Mary, I know it's chilly, and I know we are getting a warm-up according to this forecast, but no matter the weather... No matter what time of year, head to the Arboretum, right? Oh, yes. There's always a lot going on at the Arboretum. Uh, Scheduled tonight is a pink moon hike. We're getting to be a full moon, and I think it's still on. Despite the cold weather, I think the moon hike will still be on this evening. Tomorrow, Easter, is a brunch at the Arboretum. Uh, It is sold out for the brunch, uh, but you can still visit the Arboretum and take a walk around the grounds. There are spring flowers blooming. Snowdrops, crocus, Dutch iris are all blooming in the gardens. And right now, there is a tournament of flowers going 
on you can vote for your favorite yellow flower and it, there are brackets and each week you can vote the voting will conclude the end of this month yellow flowers is the color for the summer coming up with the yellow tulips that will be sprouting soon and we hope the tulips are blooming usually around Mother's Day is when we time the tulips to uh, be at their peak so a couple more weeks Very good. Yeah, it's just a great place. Great resource. Head west on Highway 5 to around 41. It's just beyond that. Very easy drive. Uh, 651-461-9226. That's our phone number and text number here in the show. Speaking of phones, Mary, I think Jack may be calling in from Jenkins this morning. Uh, Jack, you're on CCO with Mary. What is your question? Well, we recently this winter had some a couple of oak trees dropped during the winter and now we're getting the stumps ground. What is the sawdust factor as far as how much of that has to be removed, and can we have some on our grass? Any idea with that? Well, you don't want the sawdust to cover up the grass. So I would use a lawn rake, uh, like a leaf rake, to remove uh, the sawdust or distribute it over the lawn in a wide pattern. So as long as you could see the grass blades through that um, and see more grass than sawdust, you'll be okay. Uh, Sawdust is... um, takes a lot of uh, energy from bacteria to really decompose it. And so sometimes we see a nitrogen drawdown that the, uh, the bacteria uh, use the nitrogen to, to decompose the sawdust. So if, you, if you're use, using a lawn fertilizer this spring that has nitrogen in it, uh, you'll be okay. But you might see some yellowing on your lawn because of that nitrogen drawdown from the bacteria. But as long as you can see mostly your grass, um, I wouldn't worry too much about the sawdust. All right, very good. Thank you, Jack. Uh, texter says, I am moving a four-foot spruce to my son's yard. What's the latest I can do that and any hints? any hints on this chore? Uh, moving a four-foot spruce, it sounds like the uh, caller might be digging it up themselves. Sounds like it. it. Yeah, so I would go to your uh, the new location. I would dig that hole. I would get it all prepared. Uh, wide is good. We have a lot of information on how to plant uh, a tree um, on our website at extension.umn.edu. But I'd prepare the hole first. Um, and really try to figure out the size you're going to dig. So you measure the width and the depth and have that hole ready and then get as much of the roots as possible. Um, You kind of want the soil fairly moist, not soaking wet, but moist so that it holds together. So uh, a couple days before you're actually going to dig it, I would water it well, but Uh, give it some time so it isn't sopping wet when you dig it and then uh, just make sure that it's well watered uh, put put it in the ground as soon as possible and uh, well watered so four foot high you're going to need a lot of soil really to help that uh, survive but uh, good luck hope it works all right uh, let's see. Do, do, do. Joanne's calling in from Plymouth, I do believe, this morning. Uh, Joanne, thanks for calling. What's your question for Mary? 
Yes, thank you. I have a question about an orchid. I received an orchid with a three ice cube recommendation. But if I remember right, one of the master gardeners a while ago said she prefers water. And I don't remember the amount, if it was a half a cup. Thank you. Yes, jo- yes sure, Joanne. Uh, yes, yeah, so the three ice cube method is easy to remember. You remembered that rather than the amount of water. And that's why um, this has become such a popular way to water orchids. But the really ice cold um, ice on the roots, it can really be damaging. Um, so we really don't recommend that. Yes, regular water, about half a cup. You know, the orchids are, uh, many orchids, most of them are epiphytes, which means they're air plants. They grow without the soil, so they don't need um, a lot of water, but they certainly do need some. So when I've had an orchid, I, I give it a small amount of water, or I water it well in the sink and let the water drain out. It usually does drain really well because orchids are usually in very coarse bark, and so the water drains uh, out from them. Uh, half an inch, half a, half a cup is not very much water. Uh, it depends on the size of your container. You want the bark to be moist but not soaking wet, and you want it to drain through. So I would use uh, probably a half to more like one cup of water and um, as far as timing, it really depends on how uh, bright the sun is, how warm it is where you have your orchid. But uh, I wouldn't do it uh, very often. But um, so it's, it's, it's hard to say, maybe once a week. Uh, but it's always difficult to really give you a rigid timeline for watering because it depends on how big the orchid is. So I would again look at the extension.umn.edu website. We actually wrote an article on this uh, ice cubes and orchids that you can find there. All right. Uh, Listener said, love the show. Can I clean up my hosta beds now? Yes, uh, you can, as long as the soil and your your bed around them is uh, dry enough. But you can clean that up. Cutting back perennials now, the grasses, uh, removing their tops, putting the tops in a compost pile, you can do that. Many times, hostas really do, uh, they kind of melt away and there's not much there to clean up. But our other perennials, uh, you can begin to cut those back at this time. We do recommend that you leave some of the stalks, many of our insects overwinter in stalks of perennials. So we're doing uh, the chop and drop method a lot more where you cut off the top, you leave it there so that if there is an insect in the stem, it can uh, can still come out. So less, uh, less of a fanatical cleanup in the garden is uh, more of what's recommended today. All right. Let's grab another phone call from Linaya from uh, Hinkley, I believe, this morning. Good morning. What is your question for uh, Mary? I have. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I have a comment and a question. The comment is um, the caller that called about uh, replanting tulip plants that were bought in a store that were forced, you know, forced to bloom. I yes. received a, a bulb garden front. My husband passed away nine years ago, and I planted it just by chance, and it has come up and multiplied ever since. 
I covered it, though, the first few years with, with um, leaves. So anyway, it's always, a, you know, a try. Then my question is, I have a, an orchid that the stems where the flowers are produced die, dried up, and the, plant, the leaves look really healthy. They're big and healthy. My question is, will this plant produce new stems? Well, good for you with your bulb garden success, and thanks for reporting on that. That's really wonderful. Sometimes the smaller, minor bulbs will actually be better perennials than tulips, but that's great to, to know you've had success with that. As far as the orchid goes, the flowers on an orchid do regenerate on that stem and further down on that stem. So if the stem is gone, it just means it's going to take a longer time for another to come up with the flowers on. But if you have your orchid in good light conditions and you see it new growth on the leaves, that's a good sign. Also, orchids do need some fertilizer. So I would give it a light uh, liquid fertilizer uh, perhaps every second or third time that you water it. So good light and additional fertilizer, and hopefully you'll get another flower stalk. This listener says via text, trying tapping maple trees for the first time this year, I found frozen sap in the blue bag collecting sap from my tree. Do you think, <laughs> is this still good? Oh, is it still good to use the sap? I assume. Um, yeah, you you know, you're going to have to boil that sap for such a long time to get the water out of it that, yes, I, I don't think you'll have a problem with that as far as um, uh, micronutrients or bacteria that are in there because you're going to be cooking it for so long. Um, yes, it's just a, a tragedy with our weather conditions, right, of it freezing instead of uh, being able to actually uh, <laughs> sure. harvest it. Uh, maple sugar, all the, the sap runs uh, start and stop in the spring. So it's coming and going and coming and going. That's that's pretty typical. Tell you what, Mary, we have callers and we have texters waiting to ask you a question. So uh, let's do this. Let's take a quick break and be right back on the other side with more of the Smart Garden Show. 26 degrees on our way to 41 here on Newstalk 830 WCCO. Yolanda Garden questions for Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota this morning on a Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here reminding you next hour, it's Home Improvement Hour, specializing in uh, deck questions, deck and porch questions, and, of course, any kind of home improvement question. Luke Panic will be our guest next hour. So get those uh, questions in mind. Keep those in mind. In the meantime, Lawn and Garden Talk continues. Uh, Mary, uh, we have callers and we have texters. Let's grab a phone call. I think Grace is uh, calling in from uh, Hugo this morning. Grace, thank you for waiting. What's your question for Mary? Um, it's more of a comment than anything. I was wondering if um, <clears throat> your listeners know about these, this jumping worm problem in the soil, and I'm really apprehensive about <laughs> getting any plants, you know, knowing that these things are in our in the soil, so... And if anybody wants to do any research on it, it's uh, pretty. Um, it's it's going to be a problem. So well, I, Mary, I read where 
Yeah. Yeah, Mary, what what's the deal with uh, that? Uh, these jumping worms. What's that? Yes, Grace. Uh, thank you for bringing this topic up. So this is something that we ha- do have researchers working on at the University of Minnesota. We have uh, some of the projects are going on at the Arboretum. So the jumping worms, we have a lot of diagnostic information about them up online. I've actually seen some in my own uh, garden. Um, They do tend to come and go, however, and they're very related to temperature and soil conditions. Um, And they they are uh, detrimental in that they eat a huge amount of organic matter. And you can transfer them from one garden to another if you get um, plants at a plant sale. They don't usually seem to be in commercial soil, so buying them at a garden center has not been where we've seen many of the problems. The transfer from homeowners is really where where we've seen more uh, problems and issues. But understanding what these worms are, what they look like, and how you might find them um, in your garden soil. And they can be very devastating, but they also can go away, which is kind of um, an enigma. It's hard for us to understand them, and that's why we're doing the research on them. So where they occur and when they occur in your garden, as I said, they're very temperamental to uh, temperature and uh, moisture conditions. But we, we have a lot of information. We have citizen scientists around the state that are tracking them. Uh, monitoring them and sending in information. So um, it is a big topic and one that we need to, um, to to continue to study. It's good. We're on the case. Good. Thank you, Grace, for bringing that up. Uh, we have time for one more phone call, I believe. Catherine is calling in from Blaine uh, this morning. Catherine, you're on uh, CCO with uh, Mary Meyer. Thank you so much for taking my call. I, I have a hibiscus, Mary, that it's about five years old. And um, it, it has a tendency of blooming during the winter time. It, it put it outside; it doesn't bloom. Um, <laughs> what I was wondering—I know it's really kind of weird. Backwards, but <laughs> yeah, it is backwards. But anyway, I replanted it last year, and now this year I notice that the roots are coming up on top, or you know, up on top of the soil again. Do I need to replant that again? Well, I guess it matters, uh, you know, how big is your pot, Catherine, or how big is your area? Um, these plants can get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so it, it really depends on how, um, you know, h- how much more you want it to grow. You can keep it in a smaller state in the pot you've got it in and just keep using uh, additional fertilizer. The fact that it's flowering means you've got really good light can conditions, especially when it flowers in the winter, and then it has enough nutrients with uh, fertilizer. So it's really up to you. You can keep it in kind of a holding pattern like it is with good light and fertilizer, or you could put it in a larger pot, and then you'll get a bigger plant. This listener, Mary, says, would it be a good time to do aerating of our lawn? We have sandy soil and a horrible lawn. So aeration this time of year, what do you think in that case? Um, spring is the next best to fall for aeration, but you really need to do it once the lawn has 
it's dried out. So it's probably going to be a couple more weeks until you really want to get on your lawn and do that. But sandy soil doesn't need it as much as the clay soils where you have more compaction because the aeration is really to in, uh, decrease the compaction in the soil. Denny, I wanted to mention yeah. uh, we had one caller who asked about rabbit droppings. Oh, yes. Yeah, and I looked this up because so many of us do see rabbits running around the yard. Rabbit manure is actually uh, really a good fertilizer, and it is not a manure that you have to worry about burning. And it's so maybe we should start thinking about this as free fertilizer from the rabbits. I mean, we have so many problems with rabbits. But there are, um, yeah, Michigan State University even has a website recommending rabbit manure as being four times more nutrients than cow or horse manure. And it is a no-burning manure, so you can use it uh, right away. So I guess I'm, I'm changing my mind about all the negative things with rabbits in our, our yard and gardens. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to work up a joke, uh, including the Easter Bunny, but I can't. Uh, I can't think of one right now. But it is. Uh, it is timely. Uh, this listener, Mary, wants to know what, what's the best perennial grasses for low light situations in our yard. This would be the fine fescues. So we've got many different fine fescues, uh, creeping red fescue, hard fescue, sheep's fescue. Uh, you can find these. This is what's in the shade, shady lawn mix or, or the no-mo mixes that are out now. Many of those are predominantly fine fescues. Uh, the law regulates seed, and so so it has to say what the seed is and what percent weed seeds are in there. So whenever you're going to a garden center and looking for shady lawn mix, it's required by law to tell you exactly what types of grass are in there. So you want to look for the fescues, all the fine fescues are the ones that will tolerate uh, shade. Another listener heard you mention earlier, speaking of lawn care, and I know they're, they're referring to the university website. Tell us briefly in a minute or so about what, what kind of lawn care information can we find at the university extension site? So we have timing up there. We have a lawn care calendar of what you should do by the, the month of the year. And it will tell you when to put on fertilizer, when to do uh, reseeding, when to use uh, weed control. Also talks about uh, timing for mowing in the spring, in the fall. So you can follow along with the calendar for what you should be doing on the lawn. We really think the fall is the best time for seeding and establishment of new lawns, but the spring is uh, when a lot of people do it, depending on, um, as our caller had earlier, the drought from last year. So, But timing-wise, we also have links there for the temperature, soil temperatures, because that is really uh, critical for timing for weeds uh, it's when a, weeds it, are going to grow. It's an, ex it's an excellent site, extension.umn.edu. Mary, we have to run. Thank you so much. I know we'll be chatting again. We'll have another show next week, as a matter of fact. Thanks, yeah, Mary. Always a pleasure, Danny. Thank you. Ours as well. Thank you. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Get those deck questions and any kind of a home improvement question you may have for Luke Panic next hour. Uh, in the Twin Cities right now, it is currently 26 degrees. We're on our way. How powerful is Cox Internet? 
powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.